In this episode, I talk with Sam, a second-year medical student, about his journey to medical school. Sam was diagnosed with cancer of his leg as a child, and we talk about his experience of being a patient and ultimately how he chose to have his leg amputated in order to become cancer-free. He has since become a world-class athlete, competing on the U.S. Paralympic team, even traveling to Tokyo during his first year of medical school to compete. In this episode, Sam explores what it was like to be a patient at such a young age and how his experience as a kid led him to medicine. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today and for agreeing to be interviewed for our podcast series. Um, Tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Sam Grew. I was born and raised uh, in a really small town in rural Indiana called Middlebury. Um, You know, lived a very normal life growing up until uh, Christmas Eve of 2011. I was diagnosed with bone cancer in my right knee. Um, And so, you know, went through with two years of chemotherapy, uh, including the amputation of my my right leg. Um, And after that, I was cancer-free. And so in the... Geez, what's it been? Ten years or so since my diagnosis. Um, I have uh, graduated high school, college, and I'm now a second-year medical student here at the University of Michigan. And I've also been a member of the U.S. Paralympic Track and Field Team uh, as a high jumper for about seven or eight years now, mm-hmm. um, and have you know had a lot of fun traveling the world, uh, competing uh, for Team USA. And yeah. those are the two biggest things that I do. Um, yeah. But I'm also, you know. A lot of other things going on too. Yeah, awesome. Well, we'll definitely get into that. Thank you for um, telling me your story. Totally. Tell me just a little bit about what brought you to medical school, what brought you to medicine. Yeah, so I mean, um, you know, I spent two years in the hospital, and I think a big thing that, you know, anyone who spends real time in the hospital kind of gets a feel for is a lot of the intangibles that, that go into medicine. Um, you know, things that, you know, the beyond the, you know, clinical competency of the doctors, things that make mm-hmm. a good doctor that kind of go on behind the scenes. And I think um, I kind of picked up on a lot of that. And I thought, you know, how cool would it be for me to, you know, go out there and sort of you know, return the favor, you know, do, yeah. treat others with the lessons that I learned, um, you know. And so that kind of pushed me to pursuing a career in medicine. Um, it took a long time for me to really realize the feasibility of it, though, because you know, I missed all of seventh and eighth grade pretty much for treatment. And so, yeah. you know, I was a freshman with a sixth grade education. Um, going to medical school seemed like a long shot. It was yeah. mostly focused on, you know, could I even go to college? And so it's definitely been a very long road. And, and you know, I'm very proud just to be in this position that I'm in today. But overwhelmingly, yeah, my experiences as a patient are what drew me to this this career. What has your experience been like in medical school so far? I know you're only a second year, but I'm sure you've had a lot of experience so far. Yeah. I have had, you know, an incredible time, honestly. All the first year, I, I, I love all of my classmates. We've had so much fun. Um, I'm really impressed with how close our class is. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's just we're, we're very close. We do so many different uh, events, and I haven't felt anything remotely seeming like a, like a cutthroat environment or awesome, like, you know, yeah. we were all out there vying for, you know, limited positions. It felt like a really, you know, great community, and there's a lot of support. Obviously, med school is incredibly challenging, and, yeah. and you know, first year especially, it's just, 
it's it's a lot to handle because it's it's so intangible it's all in the books we just kind of want to be in the hospital setting and seeing patients and doing real real stuff i'm sure once i start my clerkships i'll be <laughs> you know hoping for a classroom setting but i mean overall it was it was really great and i've, I've been very pleased with my med school experience awesome i remember that was how it was for me first year too um mm. i was a first year like before covid so you know nothing virtual and really got to know my classmates and we had such a welcoming and like open environment and right. made a lot of friends so i really enjoyed that about first year and fortunately second year a lot of that goes away as you yeah. go into clinicals <laughs> but you're right you go into now like a clinical space where you which you've been wanting you know so it's really i don't know it's really rewarding i feel right. like um even though it's intense mm-hmm. Awesome. So you're, yeah, about to start clinicals and mm. you said you're about to start internal medicine. Tell me about your feelings about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I got the, I got the track that I wanted. I wanted to start on internal medicine, even though I'm just, you know, petrified for it because I feel like internal medicine, there's so much you have to know. And there's, um, you know, such a wide range of different diseases you can see and different, uh, you know, pathologies and I also I'm just not super confident with how things work and flow in the hospital setting and you know what my role is going to be on the team but I feel like that's I would be concerned about that regardless of what I was starting on I am excited you know to start on internal medicine because I think it'll give me a really good uh, background or foundation for the rotations moving forward who knows we'll see yeah I think it's scary kind of that time before starting because you obviously don't know what you're getting yourself into and right. your role as a medical student is really sometimes it seems so like not clear mm-hmm. um I hated that about starting I was like I wish they would like detail out what yeah. my role is gonna <laughs> look like but it really does vary rotation to rotation and I think um I don't know second year internal medicine is like one of the rotations where you really see what a medical student does because you're impatient for so much of it so you right. have to really do the classic sure. med school stuff um and really take care of patients which is cool awesome so tell me a little bit more about your experience um, growing up as a kid with cancer. Um, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, you know, once I think anytime anyone hears the word cancer, there's the initial shock. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I said, it was Christmas Eve, and so there's just so many other, you know, emotions mixed in. And I have a, a you know incredible family, extended family who are all very close, and so I was mm-hmm. you know very grateful to have you know the support system through it all that I did have. Um, and like I said, I, I lived in an extremely small town and everyone knew everybody. And so mm. I had an even better support system that way. I never felt like I was going through it alone. But, you know, no matter how good of a support system you have, two years in the hospital with chemo is still two years in the hospital with chemo. Yeah. And so, you know, I lost 40, 50, maybe even like 60 pounds uh, just not wow. eating, you know, so sick. Um, the amputation of my leg uh, is obviously just extremely challenging. But then... I was also really motivated once I was done. I was really excited to be out of the hospital, to be, you know, regaining some autonomy in my life. And it seemed like everything was taken from me, especially, you know, growing up, sports were everything for me. I was, um, you know, taller, stronger, faster than most of my, my peers. And so, you know, I really excelled in sports. And it seemed like, you know, if I can't do sports anymore, what am I even doing? Um, obviously, there, there are many more things to the world beyond just sports. But that's what it felt like to me as a uh, eighth grade kid sounds like yeah that was something you're passionate about and Mm -hmm. it's hard to get back into that after honestly like losing so much of your mobility and also losing you know a lot of your strength because you lost so much weight and you were sick for a long time what was it like transitioning back into obviously now you're (laughs) very much athletic and back Mm -hmm. into sports and what was that like for you yeah um you know actually the 
about six months after I finished uh, chemotherapy, I tried out for my high school uh, freshman basketball team. And, you know, that was my first return to sports. And mm-hmm. I made the team. I was thrilled for that. And just to be back on the court and to be back in the environment with my friends doing what I loved was so, so powerful for me and provided so much motivation. You know, I wasn't even remotely competitive to the same, you know, scale that I was before. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had only had a prosthetic for about a year at that time. And so I was still learning how to, you know, walk again, how to run again. But, you know, being out there on the court really was my physical therapy, and that's where I really saw the biggest improvements. And so once basketball season ended, you know, I wasn't done. I had so much motivation. I'm like, all right, let's let's go do lacrosse. And so then I did um, my high school lacrosse team immediately after that and then into the football season as well. And so just like that, I was back to being, you know, a year-round athlete. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, even a year after football that I discovered track and field and discovered high jump. And, you know, that's one that I really, really, you know, was drawn to immediately. It was one of those that I didn't feel like my prosthetic held me back. I felt like, you know, high jump is an event where you jump off one leg. And so for a guy with one leg, there's an obvious appeal there. And so that's what I really, really kind of poured myself into from that on. And, and uh, you know, it's been it's been a long time now, but it's, it's been successful. That's awesome. It sounds like you kind of just jumped back in and were able to really, you know, succeed and do very well, which yeah. is, is awesome. Tell me a little bit more about the experience of being a patient. You know, not a lot of people, I mean, many people have that experience, but I think people always assume that those going into medicine don't know what it's like to be a patient, <laughs> but you have a very intimate experience with that. So tell me about it. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the, the biggest things about being a patient that I think a lot of people don't understand is just like the vulnerability of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to, to be in that hospital bed, poked and prodded all day, all night, um, you know, pumped with chemicals. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know what those chemicals were. I still don't know. And I'm a medical student. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it's, there's just such a, a sheer vulnerability that it's, it's hard to really, you know, grasp. And it's also just, you know, there's never any moments to yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's always the people, you know, urging you to, you know, keep fighting, keep pushing forward. But sometimes you don't want to hear that. Sometimes yeah. you just want to, you know, be a kept alone. You just want to sleep. I mean, for God's sake, like the, the number of the amount of alarms and, and knocks on the door throughout the night is, is absurd. And I know I'm going to be a contributing factor to that here as soon as I start clerkships. But, you know, there's also there's just so much learned through being a patient, through being in that vulnerable position, um, you know, intangible things, life lessons that I would never have learned otherwise. You know, I often, you know, tell people like, you know, being diagnosed with cancer and going through all of what I did is probably the best thing that ever happened to me. I would never wish it on anybody, obviously, Mm -hmm. but um, I would not be, you know, who I am, where I am today if I hadn't gone through all of that. Um, You know, it, it really matures you very fast because you don't really have a choice. And so, yeah, it, it was it was so challenging and and so many highs and so many lows of, of it all. I'm just so glad I'm not not in there anymore. Tell me about the experience of losing your leg. What was that like? Yeah, um, you know the amputation of my leg is actually kind of an interesting story because I um, I was 12 or 13 years old and I actually chose to have my leg amputated. I I had the option to not. Basically, you know. Uh, maybe three months after the, my diagnosis, we met with the orthopedic surgeon to discuss what we were going to do about the fist-sized tumor in my knee. And he laid out, um, you know, basically two options for me. The first was limb salvage, where they'd, you know, go in, meticulously pick apart the tumor and, you know, any damaged bone and put in a replacement joint. Um, and that's, you know, really 
appealing thing. You get to keep your leg. It's cosmetically the same. Um, The second option was amputation. Um, And so it seems like a pretty obvious answer at first. But he he went on to to talk about what life would be like if I went through with limb salvage. And he discussed how the replacement joint would be extremely fragile, um, you know, rendering a a return to sports impossible. And that was just really, really hard for me to grasp. You know, that was not a lifestyle that I wanted to live. I wanted to be active. I wanted, you know... 20 years in the future, I wanted to be able to go out and play soccer with my kid. And, and so I ultimately, you know, I originally chose to go through with limb salvage. And shortly before the, the, the surgery, I decided, no, that's not what I want. Let's just get rid of it now. And that was, again, you know, the best decision of my life. That was uh, absolutely the right decision for me. Um, because now I have the opportunity to live the life that I want to live, and I haven't found you know anything that my prosthetic uh, you know keeps me from doing. And so, it's a really really difficult decision to make, especially as a seventh grader um, to choose to have your leg amputated. But you know, I remember uh, you know the day uh, you know waking up from surgery. It wasn't like a devastating feeling. It was really um, you know I felt like. You know, I was cancer-free at that moment. You know, they took yeah, that tumor out. I felt exciting. like I had a new start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I knew all the challenges ahead. I knew that I was in for a very long road of recovery, but I also knew that this was a fresh start and that I, you know, had regained even the slightest bit of autonomy and, and control in my life, and that was really exciting for me. That's awesome. That's incredible. A way, a very interesting story mm-hmm. just to think about. You had two very viable options, right, and mm-hmm. then one that was much better for the lifestyle you wanted to live. And Right. Yeah. So tell me about, I know you're, you said you've competed in Tokyo, and tell me about that experience. I, you said you competed during medical school, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've been on the national team for seven or eight years now, and okay. um, I actually, my first Paralympic Games was Rio in 2016. And, you know, in Rio, I, I took the silver medal, which is great, but I, I lost by three centimeters, which mm. is just, that was... <laughs> I, I hate to be the one griping about, um, you know, getting a silver medal, but also there's, I don't know, it felt like I had so much more to give and I was so mm-hmm. disappointed in, in the result because I felt like I was so close to gold, so close to, you know, being on the podium and hearing the U.S. national anthem. Um, and so that was a big uh, motivating factor for me through, you know, 2016 all the way up to 2021 when, when Tokyo took place. Um, and, yeah, I mean, started I started medical school in – July of 21 mm-hmm. and left for Tokyo in the middle of August. Um, and so I was there for, you know, about a month. Uh, I was in medical school for about a month before leaving and, and then was in Tokyo across the world for, for two weeks. And so that was just a totally, totally bizarre time. You know, you're you're adjusting to med school life. You're figuring out how to do med school. You know, I was finally getting into a routine when I had to just uproot all of it. Um, you know, I remember taking a quiz on the flight over, I had to purchase in-flight Wi-Fi. You know, I did it nonetheless to um, to get that quiz out of the way. And thankfully, you know, I I, um, I walked on the Notre Dame's track and field team. when That's where I went for undergrad. And there were international competitions every year. And so I got the experience of balancing, you know, academics while abroad, ba- you know, balancing, you know, holding myself accountable and doing what I had to do every day so that I'd be able to compete and you know, achieve my academic goals. And so that really set me up to succeed in medical school. Um, but, you know, that being said, the the everyone at Michigan was so supportive and they were so great at, you know, uh, allowing me time with their remediation assignments. And, you know, um, I remember, I remember, I think um, 
one of my absences was was like flagged uh, as unexcused, and it was going to go to like the um, you know whatever committee to discuss yeah. that, um, and that was quickly taken care of because yeah. they they realized like oh yeah he's he's across the world in yeah. Tokyo we can't really flag him for that, and so everyone was just um, you know so supportive, especially when I got back and and had won the gold medal. It was just really really exciting to to you know have made all my friends before leaving and to return to them and yeah. it'd be so exciting. It kind of set the stage for a really great year. Awesome. That's so exciting. Yeah, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. So, I mean, how do you make time for, as a medical student, where it's really busy with, you know, this amazing passion of yours, how do you make the time for it? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the that's the challenge. Um, it's, it's different every day, especially now that I'm going into the, you know, clerkship is yeah. going to be every day is different. And, you know, it's had to kind of, my priorities have kind of shifted, you know, and Whereas in Tokyo, I had the goal of getting gold. Now, as I want to continue competing up until Paris in 2024, my goal is just to go to Paris. You know, I don't need to make the podium. I just want to be, I want to qualify for the team and go because that, you know, Paralympic athlete identity is really important to me. And so, you know, I try to make time. I try to try to keep it as a priority in my life. And thankfully, I'm actually part of the uh, Michigan Adaptive Sports Team, which provides all the resources and the coaching and the facilities for me to train um and and that's been really great just because it's a great motivating factor and it just removes so many of the the barriers to training especially with a sport like track where you need a track um but also yeah i mean i've also found that when i'm not training when i'm not working out i tend to slip out of a routine and i often find that my academics actually suffer as well and so that's kind of a symbiotic thing that it's a it's a difficult balance, but when it's balanced, I I am you know well oiled and I'm and I'm good yeah. at good at both. Sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you feel like you know your passion for athletics and it, does it impact your your role in medicine at all, or how you see yourself as a physician? Do you think it makes you a better doctor? <laughs> that's a, a kind of a leading question, but you know, <laughs> you know, I, um, that's something that people have asked a lot, and it's uh, I haven't really had the experience yet to say for sure, but. You know, whether it's medicine or any other facet of my life, I'm I'm extremely competitive, and that's been that's carried me to, to great successes. And it's also been you know kind of a kind of a hindrance to a lot of things. I find that you know I'm competing in things that aren't a competition, um, and so I'm you know I'm hoping you know a competitive drive will continue to allow me to find success in a medical setting, uh, as well as just you know I've competed you know in really high intensity. Um, settings and and have had to you know act quickly and have had to adjust and adapt on the job and and so i'm hoping you know as i pursue a career in medicine those skills will also uh, continue to benefit me you know whether it's in the or or uh, whatever it may be i'm I'm hoping they'll still be uh you know a bit of a clutch side of me that can get it done but yeah i mean also i think you know something you know being an athlete in college you quickly learn how to commit yourself to something, how to hold yourself accountable, how to, you know, do the early mornings and, and especially, you know, just how to how to deal with extremely incremental progress, um, you know, seeing the greater picture, the long term, as opposed to seeing big jumps every day. And so that's definitely been a big one, at least first year is realizing like, wow, I'm going to have to, you know, do these Anki cards every single day and I'm not going to feel smart for, for a long, long time, but I know that I'm improving nonetheless. And so, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of my experiences in athletics have had a ton of overlap in medicine. 
that makes sense. I just think I'm not an athlete, so <laughs> the discipline of it, I think, is is really impressive, and that is very it's very helpful in medicine. Like you mm-hmm. said, the the practice of becoming a physician is takes a lot of work, and it can be <laughs> can be trying at times. So I can imagine that it makes it makes an impact. So tell me, you, you mentioned maybe being in the OR. What what specialties are you interested? in? I know it's still early. Totally, yeah. I mean, from my own experiences as a patient. I was immediately drawn <laughs> to my orthopedic surgeon. Just, I've always enjoyed working with my hands, and I've, you know, I've worked with prosthetics a ton. I've, I've spent several summers working with my uh, prosthetist, and and just the whole idea of you know, seeing something wrong, fixing it, and seeing it fixed, and yeah. and you know, being done with it is so really typical, appealing. like ortho mindset. I know, I know, and it's like <laughs> I'm like this. You know, dude who played sports in college <laughs> wanting to pursue ortho, it's it's not a whole uh, very unique setup. But that's, you know, I've always been interested in that. But I've also, I also see, you know, the appeals to a lot of other specialties. You know, I've, mm-hmm. as a cancer patient, I see, you know, how I could go into, you know, an, an oncology setting and really carry that, that experience with me to, to benefit my patients. But, you know, that being said, I honestly don't know if I could handle going into an oncology setting yeah. because... You know, it's 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 there's a lot of emotions with that. There's a lot of uh, experiences that I don't want to re-experience every day, and so it'll be interesting to see. You know, once I'm in the real hospital setting with my clerkships over the next couple of years, just to see what I'm drawn to and what I'm you know turned away from. You'll definitely learn. Yeah, the, yeah I'm two year once you start seeing patients and really getting into the the medicine of it. That's really interesting to to hear. Obviously, with your experience and your kind of interest in, you know, I, I want to fix things and being interested in ortho, but also having experience with your own surgeon and, you know, kind of looking up to them as a, a mm-hmm. role model. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that was like for you to see a surgeon kind of modeling what you might be interested in? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, you know, I think one of the big things I really remember was my orthopedic surgeon being one of the first people that I even talked to. Like, I always knew amputation was going to be, you know, a very realistic possibility. And everyone I talked to before, you know, speaking with my orthopedic surgeon, never, like, was always so, you know, pessimistic. And, and they were, you know, give me so much pity thinking about, you know, having my leg amputated. And, the, you know, talking to my orthopedic surgeon, he was like, oh, yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd be fine. You'd get a prosthetic and you'd be just fine. And it never even dawned on me, like, yeah, what? I don't, prosthetics have come a long way. I'll be just fine. And that was really powerful for me, just kind of having someone really see, you know, what's possible and to demonstrate um, that I'm, you know, capable of, of achieving what I want with or without a leg. Um, that was a big, a big factor for me was, you know, just kind of the way he, he saw an amputation. He didn't see it as this huge hindrance. He saw it as like, yeah, I mean, that's, you put your leg on in the morning and then, you know, that's it. And also just, you know, he, he was really, really good at, you know, explaining things to me. I was, I was so fascinated with it as a kid, um, explaining it in a way that made sense to me, but also wasn't just so jarring for me thinking about what's going to happen. And, you know, we've actually kept in touch uh, over the years um, with a big surgeon and, you know, my oncologist um, because they've been, you know, so influential in the, in the path that I've taken. That's incredible. It's interesting to think about how different specialties conceptualize, you know, different procedures and mm-hmm. think for, I mean, probably the general layperson, but also a lot of people in medicine and amputation is like, that's a huge procedure and it's a huge lifestyle change and mm-hmm. it's a huge, 
I mean, it's kind of like a last a minute or a last option, you know, right. that you would do. And I think, yeah, for someone like an orthopedic surgeon yeah. who is much more specialized in this and knows a lot more, it is very different and they conceptualize it very differently. Mm-hmm. But I also think it, it speaks to our kind of understandings of prosthetics in general. Um, and I think people often think very negatively of having to have a prosthetic, but I think there's a lot of people who, like yourself, will say, you right. know, this is how I live my life with a prosthetic and I, I feel, you know, like the same. Totally. I, I can do a lot of the same things. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it has to do with the perceptions we have in medicine, which totally. can be very stigmatizing. Yeah. Yeah. And then you mentioned maybe interest in Hemonk, um, <laughs> but also how that might be difficult. What sorts of things do you think might be challenging in, in that kind of field? Um, well, you know, I spent the two years on the pediatric oncology floor, and that's just challenging in itself to be in a setting where, you know, there's so much grief and there's so much pain for these completely innocent kids um and just to be around to 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 sort of get to know the patients around me and not all of them survived you know that was extremely challenging as a patient uh to know that you know that could happen to me and so i think to go forth as you know an oncologist not to say to be in a pediatric setting but i don't know it's it's one of those where Sometimes your patients don't get better, and sometimes mm-hmm. you're fighting a battle that really can't be won, and that's that's just not something I'm I am drawn to necessarily. Um, you know, whether or not I was a I'm a cancer survivor or not, I I like kind of immediate um, satisfaction. I don't necessarily have the patience, and but I also know that I have a lot of valuable experience as a patient, and it would be you know really powerful for my patients to have a doctor who kind of has a has a grasp of what they're going through, and so a bit of a call to it but also don't necessarily need to put myself through it. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, people, especially people who've had experienced illness or as a child or illness in their parents, and they kind of can be drawn to those specialties, but mm-hmm. it also can be really challenging because you bring up a lot of your own emotions and there can be, mm-hmm. you know, counter-transference to the patients as well. Like you, I don't know, you're remembering your own experiences and almost kind of treating it in that same way. Right. Things can be really different, especially in the hemonc world. Like not every cancer is the same and not every experience is the same. Right. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, Thanks for sharing. Any other goals you have for your future career that you can think of now? I know it's still early, but things you want to get out of for what kind of physician you imagine yourself being? Hmm. You know, I'm keeping a super open mind uh, for, you know, what specialty I'm looking to pursue. One of the things that uh, I think I might be a challenge in the future, but I'm, I'm very confident. So my girlfriend, we dated all through undergrad, and she actually came through as an, uh, she's an M2 with me uh, at Michigan. And so we, you know, came to medical school together. And I think I'm, you know, looking forward to the couple's match and just kind of figuring out how to navigate all of that um, because, you know, folks who, who I've spoke with who have gone through it, yeah. it seems like it is just absolutely, you know, the Wild West as far as as far as far navigating that goes. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the one that holds us back. I'm going to be the one who uh, gets – she she's brilliant. She's a genius, and she'll get uh, offers wherever she wants to go. That's exciting. It's, it's always great to, like, think ahead like that and yeah. um, think about the match, even though mm. it's a, it is the Wild West. So even if you're not couples matching, yeah, still <laughs> no idea what I'm doing. So, <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. Are there any other um, things you'd like to share or, or tell me about your experience with med school so far? Not not that come to mind. Um, oh. You know, this is really comprehensive, and I appreciate yeah. you, you know, taking the opportunity to ask these questions and, and 
let my story be heard. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I really appreciate it. And good luck starting M2 year. Great. It's going to be an awesome year. It's going to be really challenging, but you're going you're gonna to end up loving it, I'm sure. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks thank so much. You. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Distant Moon, Stories of Healthcare Education. You can find us on oxycardia.com, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.